live from Columbia, Missouri, this is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Heron. Alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan France. It is Thursday, April 8th, the year of our Lord, 2021, our first show of April. And, wow, April already. And, you know, when we talked, we look back at last year in 2020, we saw how long 2020 and the month of March felt, and it felt like it lasted about six months. March, that is. It's already April. Already. Yeah, it's been flying by. We're just, we're, we're cruising right through this year. I guess the perspective on time is about how fast or slow it goes, depending upon the mood you're in and what you're going through. I think that this year we saw, I mean, we're still dealing with COVID. I mean, let's face it, it's not over yet. But, I mean, I'm on my way to get the vaccine on Friday. But I think that, um, and I understand that you guys probably have something planned in the near future as well. And I know a lot of people out here are also planning stuff. But I think the main thing is, is we just got to get this this bad boy knocked out. And we just got to, you know, get back to normal. And I think we're slowly seeing that trend. We've got, you know, Texas Rangers doing full capacity. We got stadiums not necessarily going full capacity, but getting like 25, 50%. So we're already seeing fans back in sports. And we're seeing people who are in better moods again. That to me is a, a sign of real positive change, and I think that's something that you know we've been looking for for a real long time. Here, here's here's a game that you can play if you're above 21. <laughs> Next time you watch a baseball game, count how many times that t- t- I should say take a shot every time an announcer says, "We're and we're all so happy to see the fans back," because I have about heard it 500 times in a single day during a broadcast. Like it's every five minutes. It's great to have the fans back. Like, yeah, it is. We understand. We see them there. They're all there. But like, you need to. Do you really need to bring it up like every single five minutes? Like, or how about this phrase? We're living in unprecedented times. <laughs> I would say that was that was like the phrase of 2020. I mean, yeah. it's starting to go away a little bit now. Even though I I still do hear it uttered from time to time. But you know, it's so great to have fans back. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, and we if all you, know if you were watching um the bubble back in August um for hockey, they would say that pretty much like 10 times every broadcast just oh we're living in unprecedented times and yeah it did get a little overused after um after a while yeah it did so in case you've been living under a rock uh, pepper dime won the cbi so we're gonna take a look at our cbi brackets is yeah, that yeah. correct guys yeah cbi brackets yeah no what we're actually gonna do is take a little bit of a perspective perspective i think that's the word it is i don't know into how our brackets did as you all know, we all picked three different winners. Logan went with Iowa, I went with Illinois, and Michael, who'd you go with? Baylor. Baylor. Remember that. Because on Monday, in probably what was the most disappointing final I've seen in a long time, Baylor beat Gonzaga in the national championship, winning the Bears' first ever national championship in men's basketball. So congrats out to Baylor. But when I'm looking back at my bracket and just... Gonna throw it out there, Michael. Congratulations for picking the winner, right? Thank you. You win the the nice prize of twenty one punches for winning this bracket pool. So, <laughs> rela- just just bask in the glory of that. And I've suffered enough pain this week with the kidney stone I had on Tuesday. It's twenty one so punches tell you what. between Logan and I. We both got to do twenty. Oh yeah, so I understand. Congrats well, to you. 
the kidney stone makes up for that. Just warm and up we'll, a little bit. We'll we'll make sure to punch you in your lower back as well. <laughs> yes. To really add to it. So we'll congrats. spread them out in terms of time as well. Like it won't just be like twenty one legs straight. We'll 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 spread it out over the course of this next month. Make sure it be that lower left back pain to to relive what Tuesday's god awful experience. Pal, these punches are gonna be worse. <laughs> I don't think Logan knew did Logan Listen know here, about fella. that? Did I did Logan know, you did not know <laughs> we, about we, my my little ER visit on Tuesday. No, we can talk about it um, off air. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was quite interesting because I it was an experience. Just got it out of the shower and Michael was like, "Take me to the ER." So <laughs> thank God I was there. We talked about Baylor the whole way. We no. did. No, we didn't talk about Baylor. <laughs> we did not. I really don't remember what exactly we talked about, anyways. But you know, I want to ask you guys, what was your favorite moment of the tournament? One shining moment. That was, yeah, that was your favorite? No. I'm, I'm talking, okay. It was good. I was, I was waiting there, for then? it. I, it was not my, fa- it was one of my favorites. I always liked the one shining moment. Like, you just, just like that. You're like, one shining moment. And the you ball just is tipped. Don't sing, please. I, I, there when I, when you I'm are. At, when I'm looking at the tournament, I'm looking at moments that I found the most fun. Or anything for really, really for me, it's either Oral Roberts run Oregon State. I think Excuse if me. we're talking and like if we're talking like moment, I think um Suggs's buzzer beating three to win the semifinal has to oh, be the, yeah. the best moment of Goodness the tournament. Christ. That was I've, definitely the most will will go down as the thing that everyone remembers. Yeah, I've never I, I feel like I've never quite seen a moment just like that. It, you it know, was it, it's it's like it was the reverse of oh uh, I believe it was Hayward's shot with Butler. Gordon Hayward, yeah. yeah. Butler against Duke in I can't 2015. But Hayward didn't make the shot though. Yeah, that's why I said it's the reverse. Suggs made it and and Hayward did not. But it was Sug- like it was that kind of shot. Suggs had more of a probable ability because he was closer to the basket than Hayward was. The thing about Hayward's was he shot from like half court, and his was more of a prayer. I think Suggs was more of like a timed no, shot. It really wasn't. I mean, it, it was, was a prayer. He threw it up there, and it, it just was, happened yeah. to go in. It, it looked more. I don't know if this was just because of the angle, but to me, it just it looked more like timed better. It looked more. It looked better executed. Like he it looked was like, like he had a more probable. It looked like he had a um a decent chance of setting it up, but still, he just he had kinda, more of a decent he, chance than Gordon Hayward did. Yeah, he just he just kind of tossed it up though. It was still kind of one of those. It, it's one of those like one of those even though like. If you sort of said he had a better shot of it, probably like a one or two percent better chance. Because at that point, if you're shooting around the half court mark or behind it, there's it's such a crapshoot if you're going to make it or not. There's like no, there, you can't exactly say they had a better chance. Yes, he's like ten, maybe five feet closer, ten feet closer. But that can still, make a difference. In basketball. it's still just you throw it up there and you pray. I mean, yeah, it was. I'm not going to deny that that was fantastic, and and obviously Suggs had a phenomenal. Um, just a phenomenal run in this tournament um and the way he played in the final game in spite of all of his teammates really crashing at the end he really kind of stayed up there i believe there at one point when his entire team was like throwing bricks up there he had it like 19 points i don't know what his final stats were but suggs had a great run and i think he definitely did and gonzaga had a great run it just when you have a schedule where you're not exactly really challenging your team and you get to a situation where you got to play a team like Baylor who until they lost to Iowa State during the season and when they lost in the tournament they weren't in um in the Big 12 tournament I considered them to be my number one team be based right. based upon yes Gonzaga great team great players have Suggs and Arrow who's going to go it's a lottery pick in the draft this year you look at their schedule and you take a look at the West Coast Conference the only team 
that will give them a, that gave them the challenge was BYU. Yeah. I mean, yes, they played t- Pepperdine CBI champions, <laughs> so don't want to diss yeah. too much on them. But still, I mean, you look at who I don't even really can think about who else is even in that conference. I mean, yeah. when you look at the Big Twelve, you got Kansas, you have Texas this year. Oklahoma State was good this year. There's so much more competition there that it's like they were they were more prepared for the moment. Yeah, there's so much value in facing adversity in sports, and that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to go undefeated really in any sport. Um, and yeah, it, I was watching that championship game, and they went down like nine points early to Baylor, and they showed a graphic on the screen that said that was their largest deficit this season. Yeah, and they just looked flat all day. I mean, there was no there was no stop. I mean, there was no stopping Baylor at all. I mean, the three point shot was working for them. They were shooting from the parking lot. And, 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 I mean, in, in, in that moment, you got you really got to go shot for shot with them. And Baylor's what well, what we saw in the, in the championship is a team. It's very hard to go shot with shot with them because they're constantly making threes or working inside or doing everything right. And Gonzaga just had to play a near perfect game to win. Gonzaga also, was sorry, Logan. Go ahead. If you're watching any, if you were watching any Baylor game during the um during the tournament, what I noticed every time is that they always had more bench points than any of their. They just have so many different ways they can beat you. They pulling guys off the yeah, bench. That, and that, that team too. was very deep, deep, deep. It really was very deep. The reserves were working, and the other thing was is I just think Gonzaga looked underprepared. I mean, you know, you don't want to accuse a coach of, of lack of preparation. I don't think that was the case at all, and I think that he had done what he could to get his guys in order. But I do think that your point that you brought up, Patrick, the lack of teams that they played this year really kind of was a wake-up call for them because if you notice the, I mean, UCLA, I understand they're a blue blood. I get it. But they were 11 seed. I mean, they were not. They were not. I mean, I, I respect it. I respect the hustle. I respect the run. But the way that Gonzaga was ranked and the way that things lined up for them, they should have. That it should have never come down to that in that game. It should have never come down to that in the final four. So say what you want to say. I, I certainly respect UCLA's game. I think they did a lot this year. I think they were decent. They were good. But Gonzaga, the way they played this year, should have beaten them handily, at least by, like, 10 points, at least. And that didn't happen, and they barely made it out of that game. And, you know, you go from playing UCLA to playing Baylor, who has been spectacular from the get-go this year, who has been in a lot of people's finals winner predictions, and, and you just you show up in the first half and you're just like, okay, we're already down nine points. It's like, what did you expect by the way, I don't want to like um, sidetrack here, but I pulled up my bracket, which I hadn't done since like the round of 32, because it was destroyed by that anyways. But I just realized that my rank on ESPN's little thing—you know how it gives you your percentage mm-hmm. points and then your rank—my rank is 6.9 million. So that's that's nice. where I am. <laughs> Out of how many? I have no idea. A but lot. <laughs> yeah, very a, a lot. I, I could that could still be pretty respectable, but I thought it was it was a little funny. I'm th- I'm assuming there are at least like. 15 20 million brackets out oh there. yeah definitely there's got it there might even be so that can't yet. be too bad That's yeah it's not definitely horrible. not great i mean i mean I, I won i believe i won my money pull at home and i won my sweet 16 pull at home as i got a text from my father and my brother but i want to i want to go to one little topic here we got about three three or so minutes for head off to break as you know the 85th masters is starting this weekend starting actually today and in in light of it it is and for me, really that last sign of spring being here, first, of course, is spring yeah. training, March Madness, and then when the Masters rolls around, you're like, 
you're just around that curve. Even though this morning would say otherwise because it is freezing today. But you look back and say, hey, the Masters is here, spring is here. So I kind of want to go around the table a little bit and just pick out a winner. Who you think is going to win? You don't. It's There's really nothing much behind it. I've got CBS pulled up on here. They have an article listing their favorites. So I'm look, I read through it earlier this, this morning when I was having my, uh, my smoothie from my <laughs> fridge. So if I'm going to go with anyone to win this one, I, I'm going to go with the 8-to-1-odd winner, Dustin Johnson. That's the guy. I looked, I looked at it. He was the number one player in the world in 2020. And, you know, he had success at Augusta since 2015. He's finished in the top 10 of every master start with the top, top two in 2019, a top four in 2016. So I think he will be our master's champion this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth because I think Spieth overall is a great track record. And first off, folks, I just wanted to say involving the Masters, uh, it's going to be nice to have the Masters at the time it was planned. You know what I'm saying? Last year that didn't happen. I think when did they play the Masters? Was it in August last year? I believe it was in September or August. I think it might have been September. Yeah, I was going to make an Augusta August joke, but I guess that's not going <laughs> to that's not going to work. Yeah, but it's it's nice to see him back in Augusta at a reasonable time because I'll tell you what I I think a lot of golf fans out there really missed last it year's was, one. No, oh, that's the wrong one. Just keep talking. Yeah, anyway. November. November. Nove- that's that's just wrong. All right, Logan, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I also have um, Jordan Spieth just won the um, just won the Texas Open, so you could I, you can assume that he's on an upward swing. No pun intended. So yeah, <laughs> you should you should have just gone with it, Logan. You missed your chance. You guys wouldn't have caught it. I'm I'm almost positive. If I, I would have caught it, unless I said it in a certain way, they didn't say it that way because I didn't. I actually didn't intend to make that fun. So both you guys are going chalk. He's he's a ten to one odd champion. According Didn't you just to say CBS. Dustin Johnson was eight to one? Justin, yeah, but like every a lot of people are saying Spieth is hot. He's right off. The, you know, he's coming off of that win yeah. last weekend. So a lot of people are saying you know he's going to win this. Why wouldn't you want to pick Spieth? I don't. I just don't. I I feel like Dustin Johnson has. And usually, part of me wanted to be like, hey, just go with uh, Joel McElroy, but he always just never finishes right. <laughs> and, and Kyle Boone at CBS is like, oh, Roy McIlroy, he'll win this year. But he never does. I'm going to miss Tiger, though, this year, never man. Does. Yeah. yeah, it's sad that Tiger did get in his accident. He's out for the foreseeable future. Yeah. He's definitely a guy, no matter how old he is, he's fun to watch on Sunday when he's wearing the red. Right. So, with that said, we all heard it. You all heard it here first. So put in your bets. Actually, do not. Don't listen to us. We're not experts in this field. To tell you the truth, we really don't watch golf either. <laughs> the Hot Corner also does not necessarily condone gambling. I might, but we don't. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at all the past week's action in opening day baseball here on the Hot Corner on KCU.fm and KCU.fm. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. How was your day? Fine. Did you learn anything new? No. Anything I should know? No. Is everything okay? Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to connect with teens. Use Connect With Me activity cards to deepen your conversations. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. 
a message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. About a week into the MLB regular season, and what can I say? It is great to be watching baseball in the month of April and a little bit into March as well. You know, it, it feels normal again. You know, I have something to watch almost every day. I listen to the Cubs on my phone when I'm walking to class when they're on. I did that yesterday when I was walking through a torrential downpour and had to walk through multiple Mississippi rivers that were appearing on campus. So that was fun. I actually listened to part of it. I made a phone call also on the way as well. But, you know, looking at baseball, and there's there's a little bit of storylines that have gone on the past few, the past week, that is, in action. A lot of it, for me, is surrounding around the Astros again because it seems like the fans are getting their poke at the Astros this year. You know, last year, they couldn't really make fun of the Astros for their cheating scandal because there were no fans in the stands. And now the fans are back. Take a shot. You, <laughs> you can now say you can do whatever you want to do to them. You know, there's people who have brought floating, uh, blown up trash cans to games. They threw one on at the Angels game early, a few a few days ago. And it, my, 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 this is my personal favorite one because, you know, I don't know if I ever mentioned on this show um, during our baseball talk last semester, but excuse me, there was there was a Twitter account called the Astros Hate Parade or revenge tour thing where people would literally just hundreds of thousands of, of Twitter users would just yell at the Astros all day like they had nothing else better to do with their lives. But there was there was one group, it was in an ace game, I believe it was around opening day, where the uh, fans immediately booed Alex Bregman. He's a third baseman on the Astros. They booed him and then immediately afterwards he hits a, like a 400-something foot home run and I was just dead. They're like, yeah, the fan. There was, like, there was a, a reporter was there, and he said, "The fans are getting their booing in, and it's beautiful." And then a home run happens. Bregman hits a four hundred and something foot home run. It's just God. silence. It's like it's great. What a bunch of idiots! It's like I mean, it's twenty seventeen. It's four years ago. I really, really think that people have got to start like finding something better to do with their time, because I think this just shows the the shame in humanity at this point. It's like get the heck over it. I mean, it it happened. There were consequences. We move on. Okay? No one says that World Series counts. Nobody does. Nobody says that World Series counts. I think they know what they did was wrong. Okay? They didn't murder anybody. Okay? They cheated. If they murdered somebody, yeah, you could still hate them now. But they, you know what? That's not what happened. They cheated. So you know what? Consequences to actions. That title is tainted. We move on with life. Okay? If you wanted to yell at them yet last year, you could have done that. But you know what? Last year didn't happen. Get over it. I, I think that's the thing that we lose sometimes in sports is like, you know what? Yeah, they they cheated, and obviously, you know, that's not. So I don't I don't need to tell everyone that's not something you're supposed to do. But like, these are still humans at the end of the day, and that's something that I've, you know, I feel like people sometimes lose in the sense of like talking about athletes like they're not like real people, and they still are. Like, and you know, that means that people are going to make mistakes and all that, and. I think after a while, you just you have to get over it and be like, you know what, this happened, but well, society doesn't you know. forgive mistakes. Period. Right. Well, yeah, and that's fine. You don't forget I don't care. about what happened, but you don't make it the center point of every single game. Like we understand. Yes, the Astros used trash cans. Yes, it was funny the first couple times when fans would hit the trash cans at spring training right, games. Yeah. And whatnot, but now it's getting to the point where it's just an overused joke, and you're looking at it. It's like, okay, we get it. 
Like you guys did this already. We you guys don't, we don't know need to go back to this again. The, like the the moron at the club that the idiot that says the same like three jokes every time, like that does that, and then like he gets a laugh like you know uh ha ha ha, and then like after about fifteen minutes, people are like you know what get out of here, we want to hear something different, and they start booing them. How about we start booing those fans? Because I can tell you right now, those those gosh darn fans think that they're telling the same joke over and over again. It's like that moron at the nightclub. You know, that just that just ticks me off. I'm sorry. I, I, I think people – I've had this issue with, with humanity where we just get hung up on the same thing and we keep telling this – it's like that telling the same story over and over and over again and we just can't let things go. We can't let things go. And this is another example of a situation where people are just not – letting this go they're acting like children and that is where i'm frustrated we have to be able to move on from this yeah there comes i a don't point. understand there comes a point why we're still on this when, when we're in the, we're going to go into the months of june and july where people are still going to be doing this right it's gonna, just gonna yeah it's not gonna lie i laughed a little bit when i threw the floating the the inflatable garbage can. No, that was because hilarious one, yeah where the hell do you get a inflatable garbage can no yeah, i don't yeah, even know how I, he got that I into the stadium that no, was funny yeah like that Props to whoever threw that. Props to you for, find, for doing something that I never thought I'd ever see in my life. Then again, some of the stuff I've seen the last few months is stuff I've never thought I'd ever see in my life. So that's something, too. But, you know, looking at just once July rolls around, like, are they going to do this during the All-Star game? Yeah. It's They're going to do it in August. They're going to do it in September. They're going to do it in the postseason. They're going like, to do it next year. It's coming to the point. Because they're idiots. It's coming to the point where I'm starting to look at the Astros and I'm like, I kind of want to see them do good, just so that these people could just. Show oh up yeah, that's hilarious. It's like, yeah. I that's why I, I laughed so hard when Bregman had a home run after he got booed. It was like, good. Now that'll shut him up for a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah he didn't need a trash can for that. <laughs> it's just throwing it right back at him. It really is entertaining. Yeah. So due to some of our due to um, time constraints, and I mean time constraints in the past, we never did get to some divisions in baseball specifically. Our favorite one to discuss the NL Central. So I want to take a little bit of time before we head off to another topic I have written down here about the MLB punishment policies, which I feel like we'll have quite a bit to talk about in that one. Oh, yeah. I want Speaking to take of the a, Central. A, a quick look at the NL Central. As you know, the Cardinals, I believe, are in first place with a record of 4-3, and 4-1, something along the lines of that. In that ballpark, the Cubs are in second. I believe th- the Cubs are 3-3. Three and three. They lost to the Brewers last night. So those are your two big teams to take a look at here. You know, the Brewers, another team that I've seen projections have finish above the Cubs in certain pools. I don't really agree with that because the Brewers, they're they're a motley crew of players that have been rushed together and thrown around and somehow have really shown up when it matters. But, you know, looking at this division, it's really hard to take a look. I mean, to really talk without, you know, focusing a majority of your time on the Cubs and Cardinals, as usual, because that's pretty much what goes on. Unless you're in like 2012 when the Pirates were yeah. sometimes good and then the, the Reds were good. So we don't live in that weird reality anymore. That was over almost 10 years ago. So Almost 10 years ago. So take a look Feel at, old, at, people. Take, take a look Feel at, old. Take a look at the Cubs and Cardinals. Michael, what do you think? You know, I mean, I think the Cubs, as of right now, are... are I mean, they're the Cubs. I mean, there's, there's not... I mean, the, the, to me, they strike me as an 86-87 win team. And I told you this when we were watching them play. They strike me as an 86-87 win team. I still have the Cardinals as the favorites to win the Central. I think the Cardinals are the best team in the Central. Though, as we brought up in that discussion that we had a couple nights ago, I also want the starting to pitching is a point myself. for concern. The Reds are in first of the record of 5-1. and one. Yeah. Cardinals 4-2. and two. 
as I said, at this point, it doesn't mean much because we're in like the opening stretch. I think the Reds are a good contender, but I honestly, I think that this is the Cardinals division to win personally. If they get their pitching staff stuff worked out, to me, this is the Cardinals division to lose. Like, I I mean, this this is where like my hometown bias comes in everything here. But looking at the Cardinals, yes, they're better. They're like they're the best team in the in the division on paper. You know, looking at Arenado at third, you got Goldschmidt at first. I mean, look at those two guys alone. What's you at the top? When you're looking at that pitching staff, though, yes, there's there's quite a few players who are great. But like looking at how they've pitched a little bit this season, Wainwright struggling in his first start is something right. to be a little aware of. But then again, he's 39, 40 years old, so right. that's kind of expected almost. Yeah. But when it when a guy who was their best pitcher last season starts off like that, I mean, it's one start. I get it. Still, there's a little cause for concern. There's a little bit of like, hey, maybe. We'll have to outslug everyone, which they certainly can. When you have yeah. Goldschmidt and you have Arenado, one of two of the best uh, hitting hitting the hitting uh, first baseman and third baseman in the league, if not the best, you're going to be fine. Yeah, and that's really when I look at the Cardinals. I mean, it pains me to say they're the favorite, but it just makes sense. Now, here comes a little bit of bias here, coming from uh, a group of people where a lot of them do not agree with having faith in the Cubs. I don't know if it's just my my uh my bias or my 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 tend to be optimistic about my teams minus the Blackhawks who are in a cellar and are Dude. bad. We'll get to we'll get to that later. <laughs> More on that later. <laughs> They're not even that bad, but it's fine. You know, looking at the Cubs and everything, you know, Ian Happ's been fine. They have Jake Marisnik. They got in the off season. Jock Peterson was a great sign. I mean, he's been playing left at a home run yesterday, tied in the eighth, even though they lost. You still have Rizzo at first. Bryant, and when he's hot, can be very good. You have Baez, one of the most electric players in the league. But you look at that pitching staff. Now, the pitching staff hasn't done horrible. Hendricks is 0-1. He had no decision yesterday. Pitched fairly well. But when you look at other teams, well, other players in that rotation, you have Jake Arrieta, who's 34 years old, 35. And Came it's like, back, yeah. Is he going to be as great as he used to be? He pitched pretty pretty darn good in his first start. Then you get other, then you get the wild cards. You get... You get Zach Davies, uh, you have Williams in there who are like hit or miss. You're like, you really think they're going to be great? They're two of the same kind of guys, like location guys, off-speed pitchers. Yeah. Guys who are along the same ranks as Kyle Hendricks in terms of speed and everything like that. Those are guys who are coin flips. And yeah. Albert Alzale, who pitched the other day, he's another one who's a coin flip. He's a young pitcher, went up through the system. He can be great, but there's certain areas or certain times where he won't be. So yeah, that pitching staff in the Cubs is a lot of question marks. But I feel like bias is coming in. It's a fair warning. I want to say that a lot when I talk about the Cubs, just so everyone knows that I am a Cubs homer. It's kind of hard to be, when you're a fan of a team, it's kind of hard to be, uh, uh, what sort I'm looking for? Impartial. There you go. Thank you, Logan. Impartial. To be impartial about your team. And indifferent. Indifferent as well. That's the point. I'm a journalist. I'm supposed to be that way. But there's certain times where, especially when it's the Cubs, where I do not do that. So look at, <laughs> when the Cubs are all put together. Yeah. I feel like they can make an 86-87 win run here. Let's now, just granted, hope that they're not Humpty Dumpty. Because you got to put them all together. <sighs> that silence is what you deserve. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is anyone going to break this? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I look, 87 wins, I feel like, is enough for this this division. Because, yeah. as usual, the NL Central is going to beat each other up. You're going to have the Reds in there who are going to steal games in there. The Reds... Our dark horse for the NL Central title. Don't forget about them. Yeah, they played. They beat up upon 
the Pirates, who are awful. Cardinals also beat up upon the Marlins. So remember that record may be inflated for now. And then again, the Cubs did play against the Pirates in the beginning of the season. So say what you want. So 87 wins is where I've got the Cubs. Cardinals, 87, 86, around that same range. Because I feel like they're, they can go neck and neck. They can go win for win with each other and really make it come down to the wire to win that division. Yeah. I think the main thing is is that, as you said, there are, the records are inflated. But, I mean, we look at the play at this point. We're seeing kind of a good We're, we're two series stretch. into the season right now. So yeah. we're very, so very, very early. We can't, we can't definitely make a prediction on what's going to happen. I think roster-wise, the Cardinals, to me, are the strongest. Because in spite of their struggles at pitching, I think they can hit their way. To a World Series. The Rockies did it. I don't know about a World Series. The Rockies did it. I don't know about a World the Series. The Rockies had, like, no people on their pitching staff, and they had, like, one of the best hitting lineups, the best hitting lineup in the NL back in 2000. I think it was 2007. Seven. Todd Helton, Matt Holliday, Troy Tulowitzki. You know, to me, they were, they were very, very strong. So that in itself right there is kind of an example of where I can see the Cardinals. Because I, I think Holiday Helton, I think of Goldschmidt Arenado. So that right there, the two sluggers and the two sluggers add up. So if the Cardinals lineup is on point with their hitters, I think they can hit their way no. to where they need to go without worrying about the pitching staff. They can hit their way to an essential title, but I see them no way getting past the they can make it. They can make it in the or playoffs, the Padres even. At least, maybe, you know what, NLCS I can see happening. I just don't think that you can definitely say that this team isn't going to make it anywhere in the playoffs in spite of the fact that they have. I'm just saying they'll make it to the playoffs. Yes, probably the best lineup out the, there right now. Really? Yeah. Best, best. Arenado and Goldschmidt, yes. Do I really need to bring up the Dodgers? Other than the Dodgers. Do I need to bring up the Padres? Other than the Padres. Well, you said they were the best lineup in baseball. Okay, fine. The third best lineup in baseball. All right, so they're better than the Yankees? Fourth best lineup in baseball. <laughs> I can keep going here. I was going to say, are we going to keep doing best. this? They got a good lineup. That's the point. They got they an A lineup. lineup. Yes, but they're not the best league. I don't think they can get themselves to a World Series because, as you've seen, pitching matters a lot. Pitching does pitching matter. Pitching matters a lot, especially in this day and age. And I know the league has changed in the last 15 years. I understand that. And I get it. But right now, I think the important thing to note is, is it's happened before. It can happen yeah, it again. Before, but like you're talking about a handful of times. Yeah, but it's it, like, it happened. It, it's there's like, precedent. It's like, yeah, it's like saying, well, one wild card team made it to the World Series and won, like the Cardinals did in 2011. But that's like one time. Like you can't just say, through all these years, that that one time means they're going to do it again. I don't think they're going to do it again. Okay, yeah, you but can the, come back to me. There's precedent in October. Yes, there's precedent because it happened like one or two times. I'm just saying that it can happen. I'm not saying it that it will definitely happen. I'm just saying I can see it happening. Oh, I can see it happening as well, but it's like... That's my whole point. Very, very, very low chance of that happening. No, yeah, I get it. But I, I think that I think there's probably better a better chance, in my opinion, than you're giving him credit for. I'm just saying... I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I'm just saying that it can happen, and I think it's happened before. I'm using that as precedent. Because the point is, is that I understand they've had their woes at the pitching so far this year, and I know that Flaherty looked erratic last year, and that's happening. And I think the other thing that we brought up was is the shortened season. But my point is, is that right now when you have when you look at the lineup that they have as of this point, I can see them hitting their way to success. Yeah, they can okay? hit themselves to success, but I don't think they're gonna hit themselves to a World Series. Can that make up for Wainwright's problems? I don't know. 
it might be able to. I can certainly see that being a possibility. It, they can catch the pitching staff when they fall. I think they're going to have to have a really good bullpen to make up for it. But if their starters are out this year and they're not great, I think the hitting can make up for it as long as the bullpen carries some of the weight. We'll see how it goes when we're around the all-star break. That's really going to that's really that decide. I'll be point. the metric to use right yeah. there. That's really the metric to really look at and see who's for real and who's not. You can even say the trade deadline, really, at that point. Yeah. But before we head off to break, I want to take a little bit of time here to talk about the suspension policies relating around Nick Castellanos, Nicholas Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds, former club actually, and the bench-clearing incident between him and the Cardinals, as you know. He had a ball thrown at his head, and then he stole. He ran in the home on a passed ball and yelled, let's go. He might have yelled a couple more explicitives in there that I will not repeat on the show at, uh, at the pitcher in the face, and then bench is cleared. And instead of, you know, doing the thing and saying all that were involved in terms of punching or, I mean, not punching, uh, pushing or anything, get suspended, the league decided to say, Nick Castellanos, you're suspended. Let's just minus the part that Yadier Molina almost started strangling you and just say that never happened. You can't, I mean, you can find a guy money, but if you're going to suspend a guy two games for an incident such as that, where it's all heat in the moment, where as a former pitcher, high school pitcher myself, as I laugh a little bit here, where I start trying to relate to the pros, but... When you make a big play, a lot of adrenaline goes into you. There's times where I've stepped off the mound and I've yelled things. I yelled at an entire dugout once. And to the point where I was ready to take on the entire dugout. This was over in summer ball once. When the adrenaline's rushing, you're liable to do anything. And to punish a guy for getting, for celebrating a run, for saying something to another player is kind of idiotic. And if you're going to suspend Castellanos for it, then like start suspending everyone for it. You're gonna start suspending like bat flips as well. I mean, granted, I don't. I prefer the uh, the Jock Peterson drop the bat kind of thing, where it's like more. Wig does that too. What? Yeah. If you're gonna punish someone for doing for celebrating, that's just sad. And especially if you're gonna punish the one person who started it instead of the people who who participated in the act, such as Yadier Molina, who had his hands around Castellanos, looked like he was strangling him. That's something I found a little funny, but. Yeah, if you're gonna, those policies are just so messed up at this point, and there's so many more policies we can get. I can spend an entire episode debating, talking about the the suspension policies of the MLB. Yeah, but this incident is just like so confusing for me. You know, the thing that I wanted to bring up: if there's a fight on the baseball field and it's with the Cardinals, Yadier Molina is usually at the forefront of it. The guy is involved. I mean, I, I don't want to talk bad about him. I think he's a legend. I think that, and I don't think he's necessarily wrong in some instances for fighting, but he's he's a hothead. I mean, he's the type of guy that's going to be right at the forefront of every fight in baseball that involves the Cardinals. And whether it be defending his pitcher, whether it be, you know, taking a side, whether it be taking a stand, he's the voice that's always yelling. And, uh, yeah, I don't know why there were no consequences for him. It's probably his league status and his future Hall of Famer type of thing. I mean, the guy is old as heck, and he's still out there doing that. So to me, it's like, it's hilarious. I thought it was funny because I think there is some serious bias well, that's the, involved every, in this. Every league has it. And that's fine to some extent in baseball. 
if you're going to go easier on the older guys. But as you said, he was literally strangling him. Like, he was literally like, what do you expect him to do? Just and, stand there and, and take and it? One of, my, one of my favorite things. I throw a punch back. One of my favorite things that happened. This is Post, an interview that Castellanos did. And I'm going to paraphrase what he said. And he said, he said essentially, oh, I, I, if Yadier punched me, if Molina punched me in the face, I'd still ask for his autograph after. That's hilarious. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. Man, props to you, Nick Nicholas. I miss you on the Cubs. You were a fun guy to watch. Traded from the Tigers at the deadline in 20, yeah. 2019. Yeah, 2019. So that suspension really raised a few questions in my head. But we're going to go out the break here and we come back. Logan's going to take it away and talk about hockey and the trade deadline. All this and more on Hot Corner, KCU.fm and KCU.fm. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. What does your smile say about you? Are you happy? Confident? Friendly? Getting and keeping that smile takes work. Proper brushing and flossing daily and drinking fluoridated water. Fluoridated water has been in use for 75 years and is considered the most safe, equitable, and cost-effective way to prevent tooth decay. A healthy smile means a healthy person and a healthy community. For more information, visit health.mo.gov. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. As usual, with our hockey swing on show, I'm going to throw it over to our hockey expert down here in the in the studio. Logan, take it away. Lights, camera, action. Logan. Thank you. And so this week is the trade deadline in the NHL, which means this weekend we're going to see some movement. Or not. That's kind of how I'm how I'm seeing it. Um, from Elliot Friedman, 31 Thoughts. This is kind of the prevailing belief around the league is that there are more sellers than buyers, mostly due to cap constraints and a lot of the good teams that would be buying don't have the cap space to necessarily buy. So the buyers are kind of staying patient and kind of biding their time to see if prices drop. But we did have one pretty big trade last night where the New York Islanders acquired Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils for A.J. Greer, Mason Jopst, a 2021 first-round pick, and a conditional 2022 fourth-round pick. If the Islanders make the Stanley Cup final, that pick becomes a third. And the Devils retain 50% of their salary, which, as we mentioned, salary cap constraints are an issue for those better teams. So the Islanders really needed that retained salary in order to get the deal done. And obviously, I mentioned that conditional pick that becomes a third if the Islanders make the Stanley Cup final. I want to throw it to the two of you and ask you, do you think this makes the Islanders legit? I would say it does. I mean, you're getting you're getting a guy like Zajac who scored 18 points so far, 7 goals and 11 assists. You know, he's 35, so like he's kind of up there a little bit in age. But hockey age is weird, and you can play for a very long time. I would say I, I feel it does make him legit. I mean, when you're when you're a buyer at the deadline, it shows that you're, you want to make a run. And when you make a trade like this, when you potentially could give up a first-round pick that could turn into, uh, you said, a third. A fourth that could go to a third, A yeah. fourth that can turn into a third. You're really showing that you're here, you want to make a run, and you're going to try. So that's what I, that's all I see this as. So I can see them as legit, yeah. Yeah, the first-round pick and the two prospects are definitely something that shows that 
they're trying to make a run. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago Taylor Hall is a potential destination for their just for them just spitballing. And Kyle Palmieri, it's is he's not Taylor Hall, but he's still a gifted scorer that I mean he's he's had a little bit of a rough season, but then again, so has everyone on the New Jersey Devils. So Hey, remember at a time that uh everyone said the Devils were gonna be like good that they had a hot streak early on and then they just kind of fell oh, like off they had, they yeah had, like they had Hughes and then they got Subban and Subban and it was like look what they're doing they got it all together and then they just New Jersey did yeah and I think I think the Islanders are a legitimate contender which I don't know why it just feels weird to say I guess it's because their brand of hockey isn't exactly like this I don't want to say this winning brand of hockey they didn't make it to the Eastern Conference final last year but like they just play they have very strong goaltending with um with Varlamov, and then they play just a lot of defense. A lot of their guys are like your big power forwards that they aren't going to wow you on the stat sheet with their scoring, but they just play a physical hard game, and that's kind of the way. That's kind of the way they've been run for the past few years, the Islanders. Yeah, they're they're a team I can see making a deep run this year based on that trade alone. It's like, hey, they're for real this year, and I think it's time people take some time. You know to look over. So I want to ask you, Logan, because you are our expert in here. Where do you see Taylor Hall going at this point? That's a really weird situation because Kevin Adams has been taking um the Sabres GM has been taking calls from a lot of teams, also on Jack Eichel, which is another name, a big name to watch at the deadline. But he's still injured, so it might be a bit harder to move him. It sounds, it sounds like the Maple Leafs might make a push for him, and I know you can say, oh, the Maple Leafs they don't really need that much more, but they're they seem like a team that's going to try and be aggressive this deadline and try and get kind of this final piece to push him over the hump, which is something they really haven't had yet. So I don't know if he necessarily ends up there, but that's kind of that's kind of the destination that makes the most sense to me right now. So I feel like his numbers this year have been atrocious. I mean, two goals in 37 games. Yeah, it's awful. I think that has something to do with the team he's playing on because it's, it's very hard as a player to – play well when you're on a team that is horrible. It's like you're dreading I don't know if you're technically dreading going out there but you're going out there and you're like, the chances of us winning are so slim and your morale is gone. It's, you know, Eichel's hurt one of your best players. It's like I have to try to take so much more responsibility than everyone else and I gotta go out there and prove to everyone especially when you sign that one year deal when you're like, I want to come to Buffalo to win, which (laughs) Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, Taylor Hall made it. Yeah, it's like He's in such a bad run. He needs to change the scenery. Yeah, and it's so docu- it's it's very documented that he wanted to go to a contender and then chose Buffalo, and that's the yeah. I don't I don't understand that decision at all. But it's just it's just so weird with him because he's a guy that in any normal season would probably be moved, but the flat cap is making everything so much more difficult that there isn't really that many buyers. Like Florida is one that just dealt um Vinny Henestrosa to Chicago to try and clear up a little bit of cap space, and obviously that's not enough to take on Taylor Hall's contract. But they want their—the quote from Friedman, 31 Thoughts, is what I've heard is that they want the season's magic to be a multiple-year thing and won't do anything to stupidly jeopardize that. So maybe they go in at a cheaper D-man with Ekblad out, but it doesn't seem like an expiring contract, but it doesn't seem like they're going to do much, but they'd be one of the most likely teams to buy as the Panthers. And then also just—it feels like them—Nashville now is— I don't think they're going to buy, but they would have been a team that was going to sell, and now they're in a playoff position, so they don't exactly find themselves in a position they're, they're to in, sell they're anymore. They're in that weird position where it's like, do we go all in or do we sit back and just let us 
ride whatever weird winning streak we have here for ending up in a in a playoff spot and do we just let it ride and say you know what this is not this is just a smoke screen on what we really are and we just wait because like you're looking at a team like that and it's like yeah they're in a playoff spot but like if they make the playoffs, will they be able to make a deep run? No. Yeah, and it's it's that weird thing where the Central Division is just weird because there's like three teams that rule them all. It's like, you know, it's the Panthers, it's the Lightning, it's the Hurricanes. All those are like the best teams in the division. And then you just have this fourth spot that's up for grabs for like the Predators and the Blackhawks and the Stars. But like, do you see any of those teams being able to beat? Maybe if Carolina gets the first seed, you could see a situation where they could take them down, but Carolina is still very good. And I don't know if I see Nashville just doesn't have the scoring to do it. Chicago doesn't have the defense to do it. And Dallas also doesn't really have the scoring to do it. Like, And Chicago also doesn't have the special teams for it, but that's a, that's a discussion for it's another It's like they're, they're all competing for that first-round exit. It, that's essentially, pretty much yeah. what it is. And I mean, I think it can be, it can be valuable in some cases, especially like you know the talk around the Blackhawks last year was getting these younger guys' playoff experience. And when you have like four or five rookies and four or five second-year players on your roster, that can be a very valuable spot. And I think they're going to try and make a run for it. But there's just there's no one I see that could get that fourth spot in the Central Division and be primed to make a deep run. It just doesn't it doesn't seem possible to me. Yeah, it's definitely the top three. I mean, you said it yourself. Lightning, the Hurricanes. And the Panthers. Yep. You know, <laughs> the, team, the Florida team I always forget about. Yeah, they're they're very good this year. Maybe you should have fired Q over here. Yeah, there he is. I will always forever hold that grudge against you guys. That's a mistake (laughs) that will be talked about. It'll haunt us forever. Yeah, as Blackhawks fans, because you know it really has worked out, right? Right. I mean, there's (sighs) there's some good prospects and some good young players in there, but yeah, it's not it, it. You should have kept Q. Do you have anyone else you'd like to speak about that are interested in trading? I'm looking, I'm looking through a list of forwards here, and I'm looking at, I mean, what comes to mind is you said the hard cap hit, and you're looking at salary cap, you know, Taylor Hall, $8 million. I mean, that's going to take teams, if they're going to try to trade for Taylor Hall, I was thinking maybe a, you lowball them because, you know, Buffalo's not going anywhere. Buffalo's going to continue to sit in the cellar probably for eternity at this point. Yeah, a team, that I, a team that's been um, that's been kind of, that's been kind of in here is um, using Chicago a team with a lot of cap space after their retirement and Brent Seabrook and Jonathan Taze being on long-term injured reserve. They have a lot of free cap. So maybe a team like the Maple Leafs kind of sending some, a bad contract over there and then Chicago gets some sweeteners in the form of prospects or draft picks or however. And then that frees up the cap space to go like and th- go after Taylor Hall. Like a three-team trade. Yeah, not, ne- not necessarily, but just using that team to facilitate something. It, it would it would be a three-way trade or just two separate trades, however you want to swing it. But it's essentially just using this one team as a facilitator to clear up some cap space and then go after the the guy. So it it, it kind of is like the, um, in 2016, Philadelphia sent Mark Street, to, and this is for a different reason, but they sent Mark Street to Tampa Bay in 2016, where he was then flipped with the Penguins because the, Phil, the Flyers and the Penguins refused to trade with each other. So they used the Lightning as like a facilitator to set uh, that up. I, I love teams that do that. Yeah, it's it's it, it's really petty, and I love it. But just one one last thought that um, Elliot Friedman had that made me that was a little interesting to me is that he's been pushing this idea that he thinks the Lightning are a stealth team on David Savard, and they'd be a team that would be willing to to buy a defenseman this late at the deadline just to kind of you know bolster their um their blue line a little bit another team to watch in that sense is winnipeg because i think they're a team that wants to try and make a run 
in the North Division, and they kind of they have a weakness on defense, especially on on the right side. So David Savard would be a perfect fit for them there. All right, we're going to head to break here before we go to the final word, but we're going to take a look next week at teams and who made deals and who came out as winners at the deadline next week. So that's what we talk about on hockey on our This Week in Hockey segment next week. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the final word. All this tomorrow in Hot Corner on KCU.fm and KCU.fm. I gamble on your love, baby. While gambling can be fun if you're of a legal age, it's not a risk-free activity. For some college students, gambling for fun can turn into a serious problem and have a negative impact on their lives. Visit www.collegegambling.org to learn more about college gambling, how to make responsible decisions, and where to find resources for help if you have a gambling problem. This resource and message is brought to you by the National Center for Responsible Gaming and KCOU 88.1 FM. Hello, this is DJ Megaseg. I hope you are enjoying the program. Please stay tuned for more wireless transmission of electromagnetic radiation. down to the basement of the Student Center and walk past the KCU Studios here in Columbia, Missouri at the University of Missouri, you will see all three of us throw our hands up every time Shout is yelled. One of my favorite songs and one of my favorite moments in cinema history, looking at Animal House, the Toga Party will forever go down as one of the greatest movie parties of all time. Debate Can I just comment real quick that yes. the way you kind of said, the way you kind of went on and on was kind of felt like the um, Los Angeles Angels, of the Harvard, you know, Los Harvard Angeles, Angels of, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and California yeah, and San Francisco. Part of the United States, yes. You just kept going on with like the um, the down to the bottom floor of the Student Center at the University of Missouri in Columbia. In Columbia, at the University of KCOU, at the University of Missouri in Columbia. In the state of Missouri, south, south, southeast. It's my favorite segment of the show. The final word. Centralia. I pick a... I meant central Missouri, but sure. Whatever. I I pick a funny story to talk about. Michael picks a a hero of the week, and Logan ends us off with a nice feel-good story to hand you off into the work day. So, without further ado, I'm going to go first. We talked about this country a lot in the show. It's Britain. We've been there a lot. I thought it was going to be Australia when he said Australia is also one we talk about, and Russia is another one we talk about a lot in the show. But we're heading back to Australia, and I hinted at this one a few weeks ago, if you remember right, when we talked about the man versus horse marathon. We're back in Lanterworth Wells in Wales. I still cannot say that town correctly, and I can't find anywhere to correctly pronounce that town. So I'm going to say it the way I want. To the sport of bog snorkeling. Bog snorkeling is a sport where competitors aim to compete two consecutive lengths of 60 yards, or if you're weird, 55 meters. Water-filled trench cut through a peat bog in the shortest time possible, wearing traditional snorkel gear. And they compete the course without swimming, relying on flipper power alone. The current world record is set by one Neil Rudder in 2018 with a, with a time of 1 minute and 18.81 seconds. The woman's world record stands at 1 minute and 22.56 seconds by Christy Johnson in 2014. And they're both sent at the Wayne Ride Bog. Here's the spelling. W-A-E-N-R-H-Y-D-D. R-H-Y-D-D. That's a lot of consonants. Wayne Ride Bog in Wales. Supposedly, according to people who have 
done this race, it smells awful. And that's one of the hardest things to be able to get into the bog where it's cold and it smells horrible. And you have to wear this bad snorkel gear and you gotta you can't even use your hands. You gotta like doggy pedal essentially across it. So when we make the trip to Britain <laughs> Not and, if, we, and we participate in the man versus horse marathon, which these actually go down at the same time. So we're gonna have to double it. We're all going to take turns diving into the bog and seeing who can go the fastest. I'm not a very adept swimmer. Although then again, I guess you say they don't swim, right? Not necessarily. They just kick their legs. It's it, like there's a picture here, and it's on the Wikipedia thing, and it's just absolutely disgusting. I'm going to look this up while you're like the water is just brown and oh, it's cold. Like I don't see why someone would ever want to do this. But let it be known that we are going to take part in the bog snorkeling challenge at some point in our lives, right, guys? Yeah, this is not so. at all what I envisioned. It feels like it's very shallow water for people. It is very shallow on his swimming in like this, but it's absolutely just disgusting. So, I'm gonna throw it over to Michael. Hero of the week time, you're up. So my hero of the week, uh, and I'm gonna do a little preview before we get into it here. Baylor has been through a lot, uh, and we look at the young man that died on the basketball team. We look at the sexual assault scandal. A um, couple of very serious issues that have transpired over the years and through it all. Um, and he's really been kind of the beaming light out of all of this. He's been a good good coach and, and has done a good job with his team to this point so far. Scott Drew uh, has been there forever. And that organization has – and he's kept – and the way he kept his team intact this year was uh, was pretty, pretty darn fascinating on his part and, and very difficult in the times that we're living in right now. My hero of the week, obviously, as I just said it, Scott Drew, not only because of what he's been through. He's been there since, I think, 2003, 2004, or, or yeah, 2003, but also because of what he took his team through over the years and what he took his team through this year to win the title. Scott Drew, my hero of the week. My feel-good story for this week comes to you from Australia, we were actually just talking about how we talk about them a lot on the show, and we're giving them some more love here. So there was a piece in the Washington Post about a surfer named Pauline Metzger, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, the 1993 Association of Surfing Pros um, Women's World Champion. And they call her kind of this part of a trailblazing generation of um, female surfers from the 80s and 90s. Um, Women weren't respected as much back then in surfing um, compared to their male counterparts, um, Metzger received no prize money because none was set aside for that year's woman champ, um, woman's champion. And she also received a broken trophy, which this article did say she later repaired. But she, you know, all that. And then she's now 50. She lives as a bus driver in Byron Bay, Australia. There was a documentary made about her um, called Girls Can't Surf. It was releasing in Australia this week. Um, hasn't found a way to release in America yet, but maybe it will... It will come out soon, and it's highlighting her and many like her in the 1980s and 90s who weren't receiving support or respect, like I said, from their male counterparts. And it's just the story of these women trying to carve out a place where it feels like they belong in this male-dominated in, um, industry. And the World Surf League finally did begin giving equal prize money to men and women in 2019, so they finally were able to, you know, Mensker and the others like her were kind of the, the start of this... Um, of this movement. Metzger also suffers from a rare autoimmune, uh, rare autoimmune disease named paraf- I think it's 
Vigus vulgaris. It's one of those weird. We're not doctors here, not. Yeah, it's it's really hard. To, it's one of those weird disease names that's hard to pronounce. I do but... watch ER every night. That counts for something. <laughs> He's a doctor. But there was a um, there was a GoFundMe page for her 1993 world title, which was supposed to be twenty five thousand dollars. They've raised sixty thousand dollars since that has come up, and she's it's helped Metzger pay some of her med- medical bills, and she also plans to send some to a man in the Philippines who suffers from the same disease. So. Just a really great story there, and I'll end you off with a quote from Menska herself. She says, any change for the positive is absolutely amazing. When you're unwell and you wake up and you feel good, feel good. life is awesome, and all those other things don't really matter. Yeah, one real quick thing I wanted to add before Patrick takes us out, as he usually does excellently. I did not know that surfing was a male-dominated dominated, excuse me, dominated sport. Um, so that's actually something that's very interesting there, Logan, that you brought up, because you, know, you think about all the other sports that are male-dominated. That one I did not know about. So that's that's a very good uh, story that you brought up there. See that women are kind of disenfranchised in that sport and bringing that that important mm-hmm. issue up. It's it's definitely getting better. But yeah, it was it was something that I didn't know either until I um pulled up the story. Yeah, very All cool. Right. And with that, that is the end of another edition of the Hot Corner. Sure, you can follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carrion, Logan at Living Like Logan, and Michael at Email Me Michael. Also, check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. Hope you have a wonderful Thursday. We will see you next week, same place, same time. So then, it's Hot Corner signing off. And she's watching with those eyes, and she's loving.